What's good with everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gifted Hoops Podcast. I believe this is episode 26. Y'all know me, I get these things wrong all the time, but this should be episode 26. And I'm joined here today by Tyler, who is a passionate Timberwolves fan. Uh, on His Twitter is Wolves Got Next, but we are going to be breaking down the Minnesota Timberwolves overall and giving their 2024 expectations and all that. But Tyler, feel free to introduce yourself to the people. Yeah, all right. So my name is Tyler. Uh, I'm a junior in college. And I don't know, that's kind of it. I'm from Minnesota. So, you know, hometown team. Kind of kind of excited. I'm excited, uh, A, because I've been very high on, on the Wolves. So as we get into this conversation, you'll see exactly, you know, how I feel about that team. I just want to say as a quick disclaimer for those of you who are watching this on the YouTube side. I'm sweating crazy. I understand. But it's the passion. The passion that brings the content creation is why I'm sweating. Just act like I'm not sweating. But let's get right into it. So for me, Tyler, right? 2022, after the playoffs, after we saw um, how far they made it, they almost made it to the second round, in my opinion, versus the Grizzlies. Sure, they won, but I think that was more of the Wolves losing it themselves because they were, like, really good in that entire series. Like, they had multiple 30-point leads. Cat had some really good games, but at the same time, he had some bad games. He fouled out, and Anthony Edwards was really stepping up. In your opinion, what were your thoughts of the 2022 playoffs? I think, at least for me, because I went to game six, right? And I think the biggest thing came down to, like, I knew that they wouldn't make, you know, obviously stupidly far, right? Because they were a seven seed heading into it. I think it was really important to get Ant his first playoff experience. And just like, because we saw how the that kind of carried into 2023. He, he had the experience this past year. And I think that's what like built it all was 2022. You get your feet wet. You get like Cat. That's Cat's second playoff run as well. Uh, or than 2017, I believe. And so it's stuff like that where it's like, it's kind of just getting your feet wet. I agree with you in the sense that like, I think they should have probably beat the Grizzlies. I don't know if they would have beat the Warriors that year. But I think I agree with you in the sense that they would have beat the Grizzlies had there been like like little mistakes that they would have not done. There were so many leads and I feel like at times just call a timeout, get everyone reset mm-hmm. and like really try to focus up at the tail end. To me, it was the uh, end of quarters and like end of stretches decision making from the players and the coaching staff that led to their demise. But Made no mistake about it, like that team was a special team, and I felt like even mm-hmm. though maybe they would have lost in the next round, that experience that they got from that playoff series did carry over to the next season. Which we can start that, but before we get there, I gotta get your thoughts. After that playoff run, you then make a blockbuster trade and you get Rudy Gobert on the Minnesota Wolves. A lot of people were down on the trade because of the picks and all this and all that. What were your thoughts as a fan? So I know this was kind of like uh, controversial when it first happened because I know a lot of people are like, oh, we're sad we're giving up like Jared Vanderbilt and like Malik Beasley and stuff like that. It's like, you know, you're not giving up a star player, but you're not giving or like you're giving up a bunch of role players plus a lot of picks, right? But personally for me, I think they saw or like they know now that there's kind of a window with Ant and Jaden McDaniels like being as young and as good as they are. They're understanding that there's a window to win now. And so they tried to fill as many holes as they could these past couple, like, year and a half or whatever. And I thought Rudy Gobert at the at the time was a pretty good, like, it filled a lot of holes. Because our hole was rebounding in defense. You got both of those with Rudy Gobert. And it's not like you had to give up, at least in my opinion, anything, like, ridiculous, right? If you would have gave up Jaden McDaniels. That's where I kind of draw the line because I, at least for me, right, Jaden McDaniels is like one of those prospects where he's like, you know, you'll trade him for like the right person, but for the most part, you're not going to trade him. And Rudy Gobert for like, has like he's good, but for as old as he is now, kind of getting up into his like older years of his career, I don't think Jaden McDaniels is the guy you give. And then it's stuff like that where if you don't give Jaden, you still have to give value with that like equal what people would say equals Jaden, which is a couple extra firsts, to which I'm fine with giving those up if you're going to make a playoff push every year and then you get, like, I don't know, bottom uh, 10 picks in the first round or whatever for first. Yeah, the Gobert trade, 
it took me a while to just unpack everything that happened. My opinion on it is the reason why it happened in the first place is, again, the biggest X factor in the playoffs was the defensive end in terms of securing glass and also having a good rim protector there. And Gobert was easily like the best, you know, big man in the league at it. I mean, he led the league in defensive boards and adding that presence to Minnesota uh, would shore up those types of issues. There's obviously like, you know, the age old question of how does that fit with Cad and how do you make those things work? But adding him to me does add a bit of uh, team roster flexibility because now it's like we can do these types of lineups where we have all defense. We can do all offense. There's different things they can do with it. Now, the draft picks, I did feel like that was a lot to trade. But at the same time. Mm-hmm. To me, this this was a trade saying, you know what? We believe in what Anthony Edwards can be with our core. And we also believe in right. McDaniels. And I love that you brought up his name because I thought McDaniels coming in to the 23 season would take a big step. In that playoff series, he showed you a lot of promise in terms of his defense and also his perimeter shooting. So coming in, mm-hmm. I'm like, so you're trading Gobert to a team where you have Anthony Edwards and McDaniels, who are both taking their own individual leaps in terms of offensive course, but in terms of defense, this could potentially be the best defensive roster around Gobert, who was carrying the Utah Jazz defense to be one every time. But every time Mm -hmm. they will go into the playoffs and there's like weaker links that teams could target to where uh, Gobert would have to guard inside and out. On this Minnesota team, I don't think that's going to be the same case as these guys really progress but coming into 2024 knowing that you made the trade what were your expectations for the timberwolves are you talking about like this past year going to this past year season or coming into this next upcoming season so this past season yeah this past season i'd say at least for me i was like i thought the big thing was you have to make it to at least the second round i know you're not going to win finals like every single year but i was I was hoping like you make a big blockbuster move, you you're like bank banking more on winning than like you know not make the playoffs at all. I'm happy that they made the playoffs at least, but I think a lot of it had to do with Cat like being injured, Ant being injured for a little stretch, and I was like, it sucks. But at the same time, they did enough to make the playoffs. They still got stuff like that. And going back to the Gobert trade, I think another thing is like they traded. The guys that like the players that they traded because they knew they had people that could uh how do i put this they could like do the same role right so right. they trade away malik beasley but they expected Jalen noel to take that next jump now he never did this past season but they expected him to and then patrick beverly that's i mean patrick beverly for as good as he is he is replaceable it's not like you're losing d'angelo russell and then jared vanderbilt I mean, if you think, well, you're you're basically replacing Vanderbilt with Rudy Gobert. Now, granted, there's an age difference and, like, a little bit of, like, a skill difference. But they do what we wanted them to do, for the most part, the same thing. And so it's one of those things where, I don't know. I expected a little more of them this past year, but f- for what they did, I don't think it was too bad. And they gave the Nuggets, at least in my opinion, I think they gave the Nuggets a pretty, like, good fight. Yeah. I would say coming into this season, I was very high on this team because in my mind, you add a defensive interior presence here and Cat, stylistically, while he's not a great defensive guy, the way that they had success last year was they played a aggressive blitz where Cat wasn't going to be the main one inside the paint anyway. And Vanderbilt was mainly your main you know guy in terms of protecting the rim. So to me, adding Gobert... I thought it would be like a process where the team has to learn how to play together. But I was very high on this team because of the talent and the roster that they had. I thought that D'Lo would be able to maximize Gobert in that pick and roll coming in. Now, obviously, the start of the season, to me, it wasn't fair because the way that Cat came in, he wasn't all the way healthy. I'm pretty sure he had like some type of bacteria that was really, you know, hurting him. Uh, mm-hmm. Anthony Edwards wasn't in the best of shape to start, and then Cat gets hurt. So 
I still am high on them. It's just the start of their season was impacted by many things that we could not have possibly predicted. For you coming in though, like what type of seed did you have them coming in at? Like I had them as like a number two seed last year because I really mm -hmm. like saw the vision of what they were trying to do. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I think if you go back from my old tweets, I think I had them at like three or four. So it's like, obviously I didn't have them as number one, right? Cause like, you know, you're not gonna be number one every single year. That's fine, that's whatever. I expected like top half of the conference kind of thing, like at least playoff wise. I was expecting like at least a top five team in the in the West. And so it's, I don't know, it's just unfortunate how things worked out, but I think coming into this next season, we'll be healthier, at least hopefully for most of the season and maybe do the same thing that we were supposed to do last year. Yeah, like there were so many positive things that I saw from this year. I mean, D'Lo didn't work out the way I thought he would, but trading him for Mike Conley was such a good fit in terms of Mike Conley having that pick and roll chemistry with Gobert. And also, I just feel like he was a, a more consistent player. I feel like during the season, they took the ball out of D'Lo's hands more to give Anthony Edwards time to, you know, adjust and learn how to like, play make more out of their pick and roll and I think that's probably the best thing they could have done because giving Ant more responsibility offensively is going to aid him long term in terms of you know producing and becoming a much better player so that fit to me worked extremely well but the lead Jaden McDaniels took like I thought he would yeah. be good right I did not think he was going to be like a top five defender in the league and I think last year he has a great argument during the regular season to be that I mean he was all over the place, and on top of it, he was shooting 40% from three. How fun was mm. it to see him take that next step last season? Yeah, I think that was my biggest thing is, like, going into uh, whatever year he was drafted, 2020, 2021, something like that. Yeah. Uh, it was under Ryan Saunders, and I remember there's, like, specific players. You could watch them, like, because Ryan Saunders was just playing them in garbage time. And it's one of those things where, like, Garbage time, yeah, while it might not matter, you see, like, little flashes for these players. So Anthony Edwards, we knew, like, he was on the bench to start with that season as a rookie. But, like, the thing is, he's a number one pick, right? You expect him to kind of take that leap. From a 28th pick, in the, like, granted, he's still a first overall, or not first overall, first round pick. But, like, 28th pick, you're not expecting him to be top five in the league, like, defending potential, right? But I saw, like... When him and Vanderbilt were on the floor together, those two were like stupidly good because Vanderbilt can play the paint, uh, McDaniels can play the paint kind of sorta, and outside like he can defend the perimeter. And then once we got rid of Vanderbilt, kind of like his paint, uh, like the the stuff we needed him in the paint for, we kind of like put on Gobert and McDaniels to kind of make a duo of that. And I think that's kind of what's helped him grow because really like we all knew he would come in really good perimeter defender but having like being able to go from perimeter to paint if need be because you can switch on multiple different people I think that's really helped him this past year and it's exciting to see. Yeah it was it was very fun like night to night seeing him and also Anthony like take the charge to play good POA defense on, on many star players in the league. It was super fun. I mean, that game versus Dallas where you just saw Jaden and Anthony Edwards take turns on Kyrie. Like, that was just so fun to see them do that against Kyrie and Luka. And, like, the confidence that they have in each other to do that. I mean, to have success, you have to, you know, have a team that is good offensively, sure. But you also have to commit to the defensive end. And to me, that that's why I had them as high as I did because... They have so many defensive pieces that are still growing and getting better. So, like, for me, moving forward into this next season, I feel like the biggest step Anthony Edwards took last year was, you know, committing to the defensive end even more and becoming a more, you know, well-rounded player. I think this upcoming season, his efficiency and his overall output could increase a lot more, especially when you have year two of a team that's going to have continuity because, we just saw Denver win, right? Denver has had continuity mm -hmm. for multiple, multiple years. This Timberwolves team is still a young team. It takes time. Mm -hmm. And I think that you kind of hit the mark with that is Anthony Edwards. Like, 
his big thing, right, coming into it was efficiency and defense. We all knew he was a good on-ball defender, but, like, he would have mental lapses sometimes off-ball defending. And now we're kind of starting to see it where, like, uh, if I remember right, he was, like, he was, like, top in stocks or something like that, like, for a little good stretch of the season. Crazy. So stuff like that where he's starting to anticipate passing lanes as long as still keeping that same mentality, like, being an on-ball defender. And that's really cool to see him take that next step on defense, as well as we saw him this past year kind of grow into his mid-range game, which I know a lot of people were saying if he can become a three-level scoring throw on offense, that like improves his offense dramatically. So that combined with his defense, I think should like bolster him hopefully to MVP campaign sometime in the next couple of years, which would be really cool to see. Because I don't think we've had someone like that good like you know mvp type player since kevin garnett back in 04 absolutely and like the one thing that i think is so perfect about this too is it's not just his play style anthony edwards as a personality he wants to be better like like you see him really commit to like trying to be the best athlete he can possibly be and he cares about playing basketball he, he wants to play as many games as possible you need those two natural mixes to create a superstar you need a guy that is you know committed to the team committed to playing as many games as possible but also has the personality and the game to match that and, and that's why like so many people are higher on him especially after what he did in this year's playoffs i mean averaging 30 points against the team that won the title and like giving it all for your team to not get swept you got to respect that mm -hmm. And I think really, it also came down for that series. I feel like while it was kind of competitive, it wasn't as competitive as I'd like. And that really comes down to, I feel like if they had Jaden McDaniels and Nas Reed for that series, I feel like we probably would have won at least one to two more games just because you have a guy that can be on Jamal Murray while you have someone guarding Jokic too. So it's one of those things where I, I feel like if we were to run it back, you know, we have you know, kind of different upgrades, right? You got rid of Torian Prince in the offseason, but you upgraded with someone else, right? But I think for the most part, you have your general core that you kept together, and that's going to be really crucial in what I hope to be a pretty good playoff run this upcoming season. I love that you brought up Nas Reed. I'm a Nas Reed fan. Dude, last mm. year, like the value Nas Reed gave you guys in terms of I can play the five sometimes, but I can also slide in perfectly at the four. I'm going to also shoot the ball extremely well and play really good defense i mean if you just name the top eight of this roster it's just good players who fit in and understand how to play their role like uh right. you know cat uh sorry cat anthony edwards mcdaniels kyle anderson mike conley like these these are the players that we're talking about and to me mm -hmm. signing Nas reed back adds to the continuity but also it adds to the flexible lineup versatility you can have because he can play next to Car Anthony Towns or Gobert, or he can be the five without both of them in limited, you know, time. So having that to me really adds to the vision of what you guys are trying to do, especially if Anthony Edwards and Jaden continue to make their leaps defensively. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it came down to is like, as you were saying, once Cat uh, went out, you still have kind of the same skill set because Nas Reed can stretch the floor. It'd be one thing if you just have people that clog the paint, but he can stretch. And we saw that a lot where it'd be like Ant would drive in, you have Gobert to throw the lob, but if they just pack the paint, Nas Reed can shoot it from deep. And that was really big, like coming down in the end of the season when people would know just kind of guard the paint, you could kick it out to different options. We saw that in the Golden State Warriors game for Nas Reed, like, multiple times, him and D'Angelo Russell were on the perimeter knowing they would get that kick out. And I think that was the big, big thing, like, once Cat went down, is you have another, like, big option that can do that. And I think also with Nas Reed, though, is, like, I agree with you where he's, he was a big piece this past year, which is, I mean, it's cool to see because I saw him, like, come in uh, before COVID even happened. He was an undrafted player from LSU, and he was really cool to watch in Summer League. And then we watched him kind of grow these past couple years. And it was like, he went from like a player you just make jokes about, right? You would be like, oh, he's fun to watch, but he's not going to do much. And he's actually grown into probably one of the best backup bigs in the league. And I think that's been really cool to see this past year. 
hundred percent, man. Like, like you love seeing these players grow, but also like you love seeing the team not sell too high on a player. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it takes time to develop players in the vision of your roster, and that's why for me, like I, I'm still not going to be too down on Gobert because even though Gobert didn't play up to his standard last year fully. You saw him figuring things out at the tail end of the season after Cat came back. And that team looked scary because with Gobert and Cat, the biggest thing for me is the rebounding battle you're not going to win. Cat was literally averaging 12 rebounds in the playoffs, right? So, so like, having those twin towers makes sense. You just want to see if Cat can continue to fit in defensively and roam a bit better than he did last year. What I kind of want to ask you, though, so, so like, okay, a lot of people, right? Anytime the Wolves uh, come up, they're trying to trade Cat. Where are you at with that? Do you want to trade him, or do you think he can still fit in to what this team is trying right now to do? So I think that's another one of those controversial things where it's like, me personally, I'm a, I'm not going to trade Cat unless there's an offer you just can't refuse kind of person. I know there's a lot of people that like over uh, the draft process, they're like, trade him for scoot but at the same time i'm like i don't think scoot fits as well as you would think at least you know he'll fit down the line but it's one of those things where you're kind of in a window where you can't wait for scoot to develop if you have rudy gobert and you're like kind of relying on rudy gobert to do what he does and so after scoot got drafted now it's like well you could flip him to say like the knicks but the thing is there's no one that i really want on the knicks I mean, right. Julius Randle is not one of those guys that I feel like fits on the team. That might just be a me thing, but I I don't agree with that. And then there's other there's other things like uh, they just said he was gonna maybe be shipped to Portland for Damian Lillard. The thing with Dame is Dame's kind of the same situation as Rudy Gobert, albeit he's in my opinion is uh, like definitely better than Rudy Gobert, but it's still one of those things. He's kind of getting on the older side, so it's like. Wow, that's good to bring in experience. I don't think it's the right move. I think Cat's still, you know, starting to get in, or I guess not starting. He's in his time right now. As long as he starts to learn, like, how he fits with the team, and it's not you just have a bunch of number one options. It's kind of like everyone knows kind of their role. I think you should have a pretty good team if you run it back with the same, pretty much the same squad as last year. I think the Dame point is a valid one because I've actually flirted around with that like pretty much right after the playoffs because I thought about it and it's like, okay, if you put Dame on this team and you're trading Cat and let's say, I don't know, maybe other draft capital, but the main thing is Dame for Cat almost, right? Like the versatility would be Dame would be playing for the best defense that he's ever played for. And you would have Jaden and Nas Reed and you have Gobert. That's a scary team to me. But at the same time, it's like you said, like trading for Dame accelerates your timeline, right? That means we have to win the championship either the same year or the next year. And does he want to be in Minnesota in the first place? Like there's there's other things you have to try to think of. Me personally, trading for Gobert to me is a process deal. I don't think you trade Cat now. I think you wait to see what this team, like, wait to see what it looks like. Because, again, Cat was hurt last year. If Cat's fully healthy for all of his games, maybe that sample size gives them more time to find out, okay, I can play the four this way because I can do X, Y, or Z because now we've seen the film. And now they have an entire offseason to work out, you know, plan things out and attack it better than they did because they never played together before until last year so to me i'm not high on just like blowing things up like that give it some time and then after this season we'll have a much healthier body of work to see if those two bigs actually fit Mm -hmm. and i think another thing that kind of helps is like with fiba going on a lot of these people i know i know a lot of people have like different stances on how fiba is but in my opinion, I think if you have a lot of players like getting their workout throughout the summer in FIBA, you're playing like NBA competition in half of these games. Like you're still playing NBA players. So I think that's pretty big where it's like they're staying in condition because as you were saying earlier, there's like a lot of things last year. So Rudy Gobert had his issue in FIBA. You had Anthony Edwards that was under condition. You had Cat with his thing. But now having a full year of they're all conditioned before the season starts, 
I feel like that's going to give them a really big kickstart to once we actually start the season. That's going to give them a really big kickstart to start the season. Yeah, that's a great point. Like being more in shape by playing organized basketball. This is not like gym, like ones or twos or fives or whatever. This is right. organized basketball at higher levels, and they're playing against teams that generally want to win because obviously bringing home the gold for your country for a lot of these players is significant. Like, you know, for some players, it's up there with winning the title in the NBA. So this is serious right. hoops, and getting that opportunity now before the season starts, you get a chance to really work on things that you might want to bring to the NBA. Like, go bear shooting threes, I mean... I'm not going to gas yeah. it. He might not do that, but right. the point is he's at least getting like, you know, comfortable with trying different things. And that matters. Seeing the mm -hmm. flexibility of your teammates do things as you grow is a huge thing for this team. So I'm higher on that than I would say most people are. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, so I know this is kind of off topic, but it's like the World Baseball Classic for baseball. You saw how that kind of united all of Japan, and they watched, like, religiously, they watched that tournament. It's kind of like this now for, like, USA. You're seeing a lot of people talk about Team USA and how they're, like, bringing all their young players right now, and they're actually doing really well. So I think it's one of those things where, while a lot of people are like, you have injury concerns, right? Because you never know what will happen in a FIBA game. I think it's really, like, important and crucial to get as much playing time as possible to start the season and then like know kind of what you want in your skill set so say you have like two people on the same team like in the nba they're both on team usa you can fix your chemistry right there and then as you're playing these tournament games so i think that's pretty big if you have something like that yeah that those types of reps are the exact types of reps you want to see players uh, able to get within their off season to me I think the next thing that I would really look at for Minnesota, though, is in terms of the best lineups, like what lineups are you higher on for this team in terms of optimizing the maximal success when they're on the floor? Okay, so I think there's a couple lineups, at least last year, that I thought, at least in my opinion, I think in terms of like how they would work in my head are kind of good, which I think like. If you want, it, it all depends on situations kind of thing, right? Where if you need like defense, say you need a crucial stop to end a game, right? You bring out stuff like Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, and Rudy Gobert. I think that's a great trio. And then say like, uh, you don't want Cat at the four, but you want Kyle Anderson because he can kind of switch around if need be. I think that's pretty crucial. And then like we saw kind of last year, if they needed like say a lob or something like that at a specific time, they would bring out Rudy Gobert. Carmine Towns and Mike Conley. That's another lineup right there that fits pretty well if you need like some sort of score. And I also think <laughs> really it comes to like any any lineup with Ant really is a pretty good lineup, you would think. Ant yeah. <laughs> so it's I don't know. It's stuff like that. But I think that's another thing with Chris Finch. So you were saying earlier how there's you thought he didn't stop runs like sooner or yeah, as soon as he should have, right? And I think that's his big issue is, like, uh, timeout, like, management. But I also think with lineups, while he had some problems last year, it's also because he had injuries, right? So you have to deal with that. But I think now knowing what he knew from last year, like, as he figured it out, I think this year his lineup management will be a lot better. And I think that's kind of what excites me with Chris Finch because I know a lot of people want him gone. But I think... Like, he came into the Timberwolves as an offensive mastermind. So you would think you would understand, like, which lineups from last year worked and try to hopefully, like, develop that more as the season goes on this year. Yeah, I really think for Chris Finch, another thing with these coaches is, again, like, continuity is not just, just a player's thing. For these coaches, getting more time to, like, find out the exact type of system they want to do is key and this team played a different type of defense than last year and both parties like gobert is so used to like okay i'm the guy i'm here like but having more defensive help around him he had to find out exactly where to fit in there and for finch you know so many guys were in and out in and out especially at the end of the season where 
they're looking scary and then like right before Jaden goes down um Gobert mm-hmm. misses a game like those those types of things are harder on coaches to have to like adapt and respond to on the fly but coming into I believe his third year on this team I think Finch will have a much easier time of you know as you said understanding what lineups to play who gets tick at what point and also having a point guard like Mike Conley who's a veteran player who's like older understands the ins and outs of like how to run with Gobert has chemistry with a, a lot of members of this team and is just like a veteran leader he can be like his coach on the floor I don't think that was D'Lo last year as good as he was mm-hmm. in spots and to me that's a big difference yeah so that that brings up another thing is like I think that was my thing with Patrick Beverly it wasn't Patrick Beverly the player necessarily it's Patrick Beverly like the veteran leadership you saw how this team went from like young and made a lot of mistakes but Patrick Beverly kind of coached them out like throughout the season and so they got better and more mature as that went on so that's I mean at least for me that's why I liked uh Patrick Beverly but I think Mike Conley does the same kind of thing where like we saw him in the what was it I think it was the Lakers game where he kind of slowed things down he was so good in that playing game yeah right where he kind of slowed things down because he's he noticed like you know first half they were doing really good but then that third quarter they were starting to rush a lot of things and he understood that and so he tried slowing things down stuff like that where he pays attention I think I agree with you in the sense that D'Lo didn't necessarily do that he'd kind of just like force the action for as much as I love him he has faults like that real like he'll try to force it when he doesn't need to sometimes and then another thing that's still kind of on topic but not really um that was my big thing with uh Rudy Gobert when you were mentioning earlier that he's still trying to figure out his stuff with teammates that was the biggest thing that I saw last year is he went from playing like drop coverage because he would think that like you know he would have to play that to now he knows Jaden McDaniels is there so he can step up and like say he steps up slows the guy down but the guy still gets around him Jaden now has that same thing as I was saying earlier he has that post defense where he can play that now and block it off the glass instead of it being an easy score and say like for example Joe Ingles if that was Joe Ingles versus Jaden 100% and like for Gobert like I totally get it because again you go from a system where you're playing with Donovan Mitchell and a bunch of other guys who are just defensive liabilities like I'm sorry but Donovan Mitchell and Clarkson on the floor together defensively is disgusting and like his goal is to basically play rim protector but also rotate out to a a Terrence man who's dropping 40 points in the corner but then as soon as you do that they're gonna hunt those guards get by them and get to the basket and as a big his value has always been at protecting the rim because obviously that's the most efficient shot in basketball but now he's in a situation where there's more iq defensive players around him and there's way more size and length that's the big thing Jaden mcdaniels has like a seven foot wingspan i'm pretty sure and anthony Mm Edwards is another physical guy and Nas Reed is also tall. Like, you have length and size at every position, which should make the guys around him be equipped to help him out more, meaning he doesn't have to take on the same defensive load, which can make him better. It's just a matter of him understanding that and fitting into that identity moving forward. Right. I think that was another big thing is, like, last year, for as much as they get for, like, oh, Rudy Gobert was a bad trade, I think the most underrated pickup for us was actually Kyle Anderson. Because you yes. get length and stuff from him too. So I think that was really cool. And he kind of is the same way as Mike Conley. Where like, you know, you wouldn't think he's a star of the team. He, but the thing is, he knows that. And he doesn't necessarily have to be the star of the team. There's a little stretch where he was averaging like triple doubles. And the reason why is because he would know he has to play make, right? If like, say, uh, D'Angelo Russell isn't doing well that night. And there's no other like playmaker on the team he has to play make he has to rebound right because everyone has to rebound he's a big you you would hope you would get rebound but then like you would occasionally score too so you would get like 10 points a game now i know that's not a lot but if you look at like i know this is kind of box score watching but 10 10 10 he's doing a little bit of everything and that's kind of what helped them once like cat and anthony edwards went down for a little bit is you had people that could still fill like 
even half of the roles is still a lot. Oh yeah, like like people have to understand, right? In the NBA, not everyone's gonna be a star player, but you can be a star in your role. And that's what Kyle Anderson mm-hmm. was. I mean, guys that like guys off the bench who can give you 10, 10, and 10. Like you're impacting the game at such a high level. Like in the playoffs, every possession matters. If you have guys mm-hmm. that are coming off of the bench who are being efficient on or off of the basketball and they're putting up, you know, stats like those, that's impacting the game at pretty much every level. And that's all you ask for for pretty much every man on the 15-man roster. That's what we care about. And Kyle Anderson fit into that identity so perfectly because he's very slow, but he's also methodical in the way he handles things. And the length, like you said, I mean, this is a team that will have length in pretty much every position outside of guard. And that's fine because where Mike Conley might not have the length, he has the IQ and the brain of a vet who's been in the league against you know high level competition for many years and he can shoot he can space out the mm-hmm. floor which adding spacing to all of this changes the entire formula mm-hmm. and as you're saying yeah that's another thing where it's like well mike conley you know he might not get blocks and stuff like that he knows different passing lanes right because he's the one that's doing most of the facilitating so he knows kind of where plays are designed to go and hopefully jumps those passes now, Anthony Edwards, that's, that was the thing with D'Angelo Russell, why they kept him, is you have a team that's all, like, I think 6'4". I think D'Lo was, like, 6'4", or something like that, where they have the height. And D'Lo occasionally got blocks. But Anthony Edwards, like, we see highlight real blocks from him every once in a while. So it's, like, it's one of those things where um, even guards, like, while they're not going to get Rudy Gobert amount of blocks, they can hold their own if need be. And so I think that was the biggest thing last year is just the fact that, like, even with Kyle Anderson, you know, you could be a one-dimensional player. You get 10-10-10 on offense, but, like, you're not a good defender. Kyle Anderson will get, like, three steals and two blocks, too. And so it kind of it helps the team however he can. Now, is that being a star player? No. But if it's filling a hole that you need to, like, do, and you know that as a veteran player, you kind of you do it just because it helps your team. 100% and like with that uh, again that's why for me this year is so tough because in the Western Conference it's like 10 good teams and only eight of them are going to make it I'm 95% sure the bottom uh two teams who might not make the play-in in the West could potentially make the play-in in the East like that's how competitive it is in the overall Western Conference for you as a fan considering everything we talked about so far with how good the team is, how many players there are, the uh, leaps you expect out of certain players. Where do you think the Wolves fit into the playoff contention picture next year? Like five seed, four seed, top three seed. Where are you? Yeah, I'm. I think while we have changed, like while ha- uh, while the West has changed and how our teams changed, I still kind of think the same as I did last year, where we're kind of like. Uh, anywhere from like a three to six seed we're not going to be in like you know the top two seeds kind of thing but i don't think we're fighting for a play-in spot but again just like last year it all depends on health if you're not healthy i think we'll fall but if you are healthy and say like on our team say like for example the nuggets right they're number one seed but then they get like a jamal uh, murray type injury again where that will probably drag them down so it really all depends on injury luck and unfortunately, we had that last year. But I'm saying if, like, this year we're not injured, I feel like we could be anywhere from a 3 to 6 seed. And I'd probably say 3 three, three to 4 is probably my my big guess. Fair, yeah. I think for me, I have them in that range as well. I still have to, like, sit down and, like, fully, like, you know, take in each team. But again, I think the context of, like, everything the Wolves have there are other teams who have made like blockbuster moves who are not going to have the continuity and have to basically figure things out I think a lot of what they did last year was finding out how to play without Gobert and then playing with Gobert and then also no cat right like finding out how to play their best basketball without cat and then playing it with them like they went through that so I think next year they'll be more equipped to face the same challenge again Mm mm-hmm 
And I think the other thing that at least intrigues me, now I, you probably don't know much about like G League teams kind of thing, but like after watching these past two like couple like G League and Summer League and stuff like that, I think there's also underrated contributors that could possibly come in this year. Guys like Leonard Miller, guys like Josh Minot, guys like Wendell Moore. And I think, say for example, like uh, some one of the guards, uh, Shake Milton, say he isn't doing as well, you have a guy like Wendell Moore that you could possibly plug and play. And even if he doesn't do anything spectacular, you have different things that you can try out still while having like the same core. I think that's the big thing going into this next year. I love that you brought up those guys. Dude, Leonard Miller, I think he could really be good. And I also think that for this team, what matters a lot too is considering the new CBA, it's going to be harder to get talent underneath the cap so getting mm -hmm. younger players who aren't getting paid that much to basically produce and outperform their contracts that can provide immense value if any of those guys can be some type of rotational player so that's a huge point i like that matters significantly because when you look at denver right christian braun was on a rookie contract and in the playoffs he outplayed that significantly and was a big part in terms of like fitting into their lineups and giving them good looks so that type of stuff absolutely matters i agree with you mm -hmm. and going back to even the cba it's stuff like that where at least in my opinion i think they have nas reed on a pretty good like new deal a great so deal a great deal yeah, yeah. even if they get rid of cat you still at least have nas reed to the point you're not like losing both your centers you have a center that could like step up now granted he might not be as good as cat but he still has enough skill to the point he can fill out a role every once in a while and i think that's the big thing is as you see all this roster turnover with the new cba you still keep like people that could give you some of the output as the person before them that is what matters like roster versatility flexibility continuity and more importantly durability of, of everything else that matters the most anthony edwards and Jaden played many games last year gobert also played his fair share cat normally plays a good amount of games but he had a significant injury i think that mm -hmm. them getting themselves conditioned early with their overseas play is also going to factor into how they start their year and i think compared to other teams this Wolves team actually has a pretty solid schedule. I don't think it's too many back-to-backs. So they should be pretty good to go f for the regular season. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of weird how they work. It's like they've never really been a good back-to-back -back team. Well, all of a sudden this past, I think, like two years, they actually, in my opinion, I don't think they've been doing too bad on back-to-backs. So it's one of those things where, like, you know, even if they have a back-to-back, -back, that doesn't necessarily worry me as much as, like, other teams back-to-backs because obviously get some stretches where it's like milwaukee and then say like for example miami but our back-to-backs are kind of like okc and la like the lakers but i'm like i feel like that's at least manageable versus taking on the top teams in the conference on a back-to-back 100 -back. and for me as a warriors fan understanding that i have chris paul on my roster with a like an aging core Back-to-backs are going to be way harder, especially when you have 15 of them. You guys don't have 15 back-to-backs, so that, that's really good for what they want to try to accomplish. But outside of the seating, what's like your number one thing as a fan that you want to see from the team this year? Like, like the biggest goal you have set for this team? I think the biggest goal, um, it really comes down to we're getting new ownership, right? So it's stuff like... It's all the little things, right? So I want them to make it at least past the second round. I feel like if you if you can get a city behind you, kind of like Sacramento, right? You know, they've had fans. But last year, Sacramento, they saw that their team, like, got better throughout the season. And you saw them being packed out, like, their stand being packed every single game night. I think that's really big for a city. And so I think if Minnesota does that, just like they did in 2022, you... Uh, like as the season went on you could see the stand be more and more packed so i think that's the big thing and then a small thing that i hope happens is uh with glenn taylor giving the reins over to alex rodriguez and mark Laurie now 
I hope they retire Kevin Garnett's jersey because that's the that's the big thing that Minnesota fans have been asking for years. And I think now that you have like new ownership that hopefully has good ties with Kevin Garnett, because as if uh, people haven't seen on social media recently, Kevin Garnett's been a huge supporter of Anthony Edwards as huge. of late. And I think like if you have a relationship like that, you have to build on it. You can't just let it fall apart like it did back way back when. So I think that's our big thing for me is just making it past the second round and then having Kevin Garnett's jersey retired. And then there's also small things where it's like, hopefully, like, you know, Jaden McDaniels gets his respect. Because I, I personally, for me, I think he should have made an all-defensive team last year. That was crazy, man. He got, no, listen, I'm sorry. As a, as a fan of him, he got snubbed. Like, he was one of the best defenders in the league, and he doesn't make a right. team. Not one team. Right. Crazy. Right. I was like, that's that's my thing is I know it, it's, you know, it's whatever, right? He doesn't make a team, but I hope he gets his flowers because I know some people are still like, they'll look at his points per game and they'll be like, oh, it's not good. But it's the little things that he brings where it's like, it's insane what he brings to the team. And then stuff like Anthony Edwards. If Anthony Edwards can make a leap, kind of like how Shy did this past year. We saw him like he was a good player, but then now all of a sudden he's like, MVP candidate. Granted, he's not near the top, but he's like making his way up to the top. So I think it's stuff like that with Anthony Edwards. If he can push himself into that like top 15, top 10 player echelon of the league, I think this is going to be a really good team coming into the season. Yeah, honestly, I think all of those things in terms of the accolades tied towards this franchise, I feel like a lot of it is based on team success which is very Mm -hmm. aggravating because you can see the impact of these players in every game even if they don't win the game you can like watch them play basketball and also evaluate their advanced stats just to see how valuable these players are but if this team is able to win a lot more games and they are like like a top five seed or, or top four seed i think they will then get the respect that they already deserve which i think is really backwards because it's not like they didn't show signs of being good last year they were good last year if they do more of the same but they have more success it's kind of a slap in the face but at the same time that's just how the nba goes if you win a lot of games people will know you and respect you a whole lot more Mm -hmm. because that's kind of what we saw with denver this year is like Denver, for the last couple years, you know, they've been good because they had Jokic, and Jokic was in his MVP years. But everyone just thought it was like the Jokic show, right? Now that they've made a finals run and actually won the finals, a lot of people have seen that this is like a legitimate threat in the West. I think that's kind of what's big. And as you are saying, so it's not necessarily a team thing, but like, uh, as I was saying earlier in like the Ant Ant and Jaden's rookie year, where it's stuff like Jaden McDaniels and Jared Vanderbilt. You could see how much they were contributing, even though the team wasn't winning. So it's just stuff that, like, if you watch the team on a day-to-day, or not day, but, like, game-to-game basis, you can see how much they're improving versus just going off, like, oh, this is their general stats throughout the entire season. You have to see them actually improve in order to, like, you know, at least in my opinion, appreciate what they've been doing, like, the entire season growing. For everyone listening to this podcast, what Tyler is asking the NBA community to do is watch basketball. Take your remote, turn on League Pass, watch four quarters of Jaden McDaniel's defense, and tell me he shouldn't be all NBA defense. That's what you're saying. And I feel Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, because it's even like, as I watch other teams, right? Everyone has, like, agendas for different players, right? They'll be like, oh, this guy's good at blah, 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 but he's just a that thing, right? It's fun to watch. Like, you can be a fan of your team, but you can also just be a fan of the NBA in general. I think that's really cool where it's like if you do watch other teams, so like even playoffs, right? You watch some of these games like um, the Grizzlies and Warriors game from 2022. That was one of my favorite games to watch. My team wasn't even in it. It's just that was a great fun game. basketball. Yeah, you get to watch players like uh, who was on that team? Desmond Bain. You got to watch players like him where people are like, Oh, he's just a shooter. If you actually watch the team, like you could see he's a lot more than just a shooter. I think that was really cool to see. And then like I remember watching Chris Duarte his rookie year and he was insane. And that's not even watching just my team. That's like I think I was watching like a Bulls Pacers game that night. So it's it's fun to watch just like basketball in general, really. 
100% man like I do this podcast now because for me it's like giving back to like you know talking about where the NBA is because for me right now I'm a Warriors fan but I watch all these teams because the NBA product from night to night to night is just a really fun product I love the sport and like seeing these players get the respect or not get it it makes me want to like really highlight them and praise them properly because these players go through so much in terms of playing 82 games going up and down seeing people like clown them on twitter facebook wherever and then going out the next day on the back-to-back and having to play a bigger role because x player or y player isn't playing like you got to respect that and i think through watching the game and through like having like you know actual basketball conversations where like we dive into like the detail and we don't just say well he shot five five for 12 so he can't be that good but if you're watching the game it's like yes he didn't shoot that good but the defense that he played in this game was the value that helped him win like those types of details is really what i'm trying to bring over here so i'm 100 percent with you tyler they're specific players you just give them credit and i think that's really cool where it's like um for example kevin durant right I know Kevin Durant sees a lot of this stuff on social media, and he's like, oh, that's whatever, right? It's just, like, normal NBA, or not NBA, but, like, normal fans talking about me. But I feel like it actually plays a role kind of in, like, their mindset going into the next game. If someone says, like, you're bad at shooting, right? You're like, oh, I want to prove him wrong. I shoot it more. So it's just stuff like that where it's, like, I feel like now that you have, like, technology, that kind of screws over some players if they but that's also on the player like if you use so uh social media you know that's gonna happen so it's just stuff like that where it's like i know some players don't go on social media for that reason and i i don't necessarily disagree with doing that yeah i definitely understand it i think social media can be both a positive and also some type of negative on these players but I think it also expands the game a lot more because now more people get a chance to like see their favorite players play or become fans of these players. Like as we progress year by year by year, the outreach of the NBA continues to expand. So like a a team like Denver can get a bunch of shine when normally they're like not the Lakers, not the Celtics, not the Warriors. They're not like this, this flashy team, but based off how good they are generally, they still shine through regardless and that that to me is like where the nba is starting to go a whole lot more and i'm you know pretty happy with that overall direction but in terms of the timberwolves i mean this is a team with anthony edwards who a lot of people love and like and to me he is starting to become in that same mold to where he's gonna be such a generational player you know for people that he's bringing the light to the franchise that is minnesota which is such a great thing. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of my thing is like, so for example, I went to Italy last summer, right? It was cool seeing this person with the Anthony Edwards jersey in Italy because you're like, you wouldn't expect the reach to be all the way out there. So I think that's another thing that like, it's cool about FIBA is like, FIBA, you know, if say someone from like China is watching, right? Yeah, you're watching like your favorite like national basketball team, but at the same time, you're also watching the people they play against. It's just... It expands people's like, um, I guess, attention towards different other countries, which I think is really cool. It's the same thing as I was saying earlier with the World Baseball Classic, where it's like you watched other nationality, like or not national national teams play, and so it's like small people from that where say like, you know, they're still young, they're still developing for that team. You, once you notice them actually like do really well in that league, you're like. Oh, I remember this guy when he played for like whatever national team. And that's really cool to see just how much they've developed over time. 100%, 100%. But I just can't wait to see what the next season has for us. I think next season is going to be such a big season because last year kind of felt like the passing of the guard in terms of the current players that we have had, you know, a pleasure to watch for like five, six or seven years. But now... The future of the NBA in terms of like Luca, Anthony Edwards, Tatum, like that's where the direction of the league is going. And I feel like this upcoming year is going to be a big part in that because they just, you know, extended Jalen Brown over there in Boston. Anthony Edwards, he just got extended 
from Minnesota as well. Tyrese Halliburton, he, he just got paid too. Like these players are officially going to become cornerstones for their franchise and specifically for Anthony Edwards in terms of like how every year he's found a way to improve, get better and become a more well-rounded player. A lot of people think that this is the year that he takes that official leap to being a superstar player. What do you think? I I think I agree with that because I was saying earlier how um, for like accolades, right, where I wanted Anthony Edwards to become like an MVP type like caliber player. I really hope that he takes that next step. And if he does, cool. If he doesn't, but he keeps up like the same production he had last year, I won't necessarily mind that either. So it's, it's just, it's small stuff like that where it's like, if people can make the right jumps that you expect them to make, I think we'd be a really good team. And even with that, um, as you are saying, like, uh, just franchise cornerstones and stuff like that. You know how in 2K24 they mentioned the whole stuff about, like, uh, eras, right? So that you got LeBron yeah. era, Jordan era, stuff like that. I think that's kind of what you're, at least in my opinion, why, why I took away from that is, like, it's a new era kind of thing, right? So you're moving past kind of the LeBron and Steph era, and you're moving into, like, Anthony Edwards, Tatum, Luka, stuff like that. So I think it's really cool just to, like, be a fan in different eras and see how much, like, M the NBA landscape has changed over time. 1,000%. Because we got some freakish players coming in. I mean, Victor right. Wembiana, like, what he could be at that size with the shot and, you know— ushering in success for the spurs who have always been a, a franchise that's built around like a, a franchise a cornerstone player like we're gonna see the league take a freaky leap in the next four to five years and being here to like watch it talk about it document it i'm just happy to be here because the league every year finds a way to improve itself and get better like a lot of people were down on the play-in and now the play-in is so high because now it's like shoot there's like eight games left and there's a three-way tie for sixth place like now the games matter a whole lot more so for me i'm excited to see what happens with that for sure mm -hmm. and i think this is kind of shameless but i still think the best playing game that has happened throughout like since they first mentioned it was that clippers timberwolves playing game that will forever be one of my favorite play oh, like i know that's game, yeah but that was such a fun game to watch just in general it's kind of like um the Kings and Clippers had like a triple overtime this last year. Yeah, and I remember did. a lot of people tune into that. And it's, it's just fun basketball. Like even if it's not your team, it's fun, fun basketball. But going back to like errors and stuff like that, I think the other cool thing is the fact that it's not all like American players. While the NBA is mostly like, you know, it's based around American like things, right? You've got franchise cornerstones from our places. You have Victor Wembignana from France. You had Dirk from Germany, right? Germany, something like that. Yeah. Okay. I did for a second. I was like, I was second guessing, but then like what I was gonna say earlier is like Yao Ming. How Yao Ming was the biggest thing from where he was from, and it's it's cool to see that some of these franchise cornerstones aren't even American. They're like from other places, and that's how the NBA is kind of expanded to new places. It's like people from like Germany will watch more basketball just in general. Because they want to tune into Dirk and see how well he was doing. Exactly. Like, it just it just helps to continue to grow the game in multiple different ways. Especially when you see, like, all of the talent that's coming in from U.S. and, and also overseas. I mean, Jokic, Luka, Embiid, right. Giannis. Like, these are all players that are from, like, the overseas product. These international players. And that just helps to, like, continually grow the game in different uh, uh, areas even outside of the united states it's tremendous where we're going as a league mm -hmm. yeah i i definitely agree with that and it's it's like it's cool too that's like even the american-born players because i know like some leagues they'll try to like alienate foreigners right but it's cool how you have like you have relationships built in the nba so it's like dirk was cool with a lot of people I feel like Embiid, while he has issues with some people, like Cat, for example, right? He had his issues with Cat, like when they had the entire fight. I think it was like 2019, something like that. But the thing is, is what I've been seeing these past couple years is ever since Cat's, like the thing happened to Cat's mom, 
uh, Joel Embiid and Kat kind of like connected through that. So it's stuff right. like that where like they're not alienating each other. They're connecting just through like normal stuff. Yeah, like seeing these players basically come through and like we all love a good competition. We love rivalries, but coming together to just have the natural respect for e- each other as competitors, you love to see that. So I'm 100% with you uh, on that. And I think for the 2024 season, like seeing more of these battles and more of these players continuing to grow as they age and as the product of the NBA gets better year by year by year, it's going to be super duper fun. But I got to say, Tyler, this was a dope podcast. I love talking basketball with you today. Shout out to the Minnesota Timberwolves. I want to give you the floor to make sure that you can promote anything you would like to promote and then we'll get up out of here. All right. I, I think the only thing I really have to promote is my Twitter. Uh, if you want to follow me at WolvesGotNext. Other than that, it's like, I don't know. It's it's whatever. It's I, I hopefully try to make funny things. You know, if, it's not everyone's thing, but hopefully you have fun with it. It's just, it's fun to do. I respect it. I respect that for sure. So make sure to tap into his Twitter. His links will be in the comments in the description as well. I'll also DM you as soon as this episode drops, but... Appreciate everyone who made it to the end of episode 26. 26 sounds crazy, but 26 of the Gifted Hoops podcast. We've been grinding all summer long to make sure that I'm able to, you know, consistently produce some things with no basketball. Um, We just hit a thousand subscribers on on YouTube. So again, I appreciate all the support. Make sure to tap into the Gifted Hoops podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the video version is also on YouTube as well. All at Gifted Hoops. Those will be in the description as well. But we'll catch you guys next week for another episode of the podcast. Peace out. And big shout out to Tyler for coming through and talking hoops with us on this episode. Peace out, people. Yeah, thanks for having me. Peace out.